Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com or call 662-446-1048. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive I can't wait to tell you the city's name. A trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. Be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Splunge. Gosh. Splunge, Mississippi. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, located on Splunge Creek. I mean, I like, to me, Splunge sounds like kind of like muddy. Yeah. Coffee looks a little muddy. I guess. Like yeah. muddy water. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's just call it Splunge. Splunge Let's is near the Alabama border. It's near the Alabama border, and uh, it's not too far from Detroit. Oh, wow. There's a Detroit, North, Alabama. North or south? North. It's in Monroe <laughs> County. Okay. Just, uh, let me get my map here. Just east of Hatley. There we go. I know where Hatley is. There you go, yeah. Been there a few times. The home of Colin Stow, the American Idol. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like runner-up or so third you, place. You take, you're taking 278 into Alabama, and you take a, you hang a left on Splunge Road, and it'll take you right to Splunge. Yes. There you go. All right. Wherever you live in a great state, be it Splunge or anywhere else, what a I want that. Great. I want a shirt that says it'd be weird if it was in Splunge. Uh, you can, we, you know what we need. If we ever get to the point where we can mass produce T-shirts, mm-hmm. we just need a like. It'd be a little weird if. And you tell so. Mark, and we just avid listener to the show, Alex Watson, suggested that Strange Brew do that. Like they could sell a bunch of T-shirts that said it'd be weird if Brupolo was in, and you can just yeah. tell us the name of your city, and they print it off. That's and a million dollars. Yeah, million dollars. I'm telling you. So I mean, we need to do. We need to get that. You, you and I and Shane get together. Mm-hmm. We're creating a shirt. You tell us or to key it in or whatever. Yeah. What your town is, our community, or if you if you just want to do a random community, put it in there. Yeah. Boom. I mean, you telling me that it wouldn't sell if it said it was a little weird if it wasn't in Schooner? I mean, people uh, are buying. Incredible. This. So, it's kind of like the you remember like back when the straight out of Compton came out and then yeah, they had like a billion of those shirts straight out of yeah. this would be a better shirt. I agree with that. I agree with that. StrangeBrewCoffeeHouse.com. Get your coffee there and support the Bulldog Initiative. College Corner, CollegeCornerStore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you're looking for. If it's clothes, they've got an incredible selection, but they've got great stuff for the house, for the tailgate, and for your car. 
Anything to let somebody know you're a Mississippi State fan, they've got it at College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet, followed by the Half Sheller. You can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. And if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're listening, and I know that you are, I know that you are, go check out the new They're obsessed. Oh, I no doubt. Rent-free, brother. But you know what? I appreciate it. That's right. And you should go see the new College Corner on Sisk Avenue in Oxford. Restaurant Tyler, Starkville's flagship restaurant. It's just the best in town, guys. Lunch, dinner, Sunday brunch. You can't find a better meal than the one you're going to find at Restaurant Tyler for dinner. The best steak in town. Great pasta dishes. Great chicken dishes. And vegetarian options as well. doesn't matter who's coming to dinner. They've got something delicious waiting on you at the menu at Restaurant Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout central Mississippi. Ready to serve you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com to find the location nearest you and start a relationship that's going to last a long time and benefit you greatly. Doing business within your community is the way you want to go. You shop locally, you bank locally, you eat locally, you do all those three things, and you've got a strong community. And Priority One Bank is a big part of that. Anywhere in central Mississippi, there's going to be a branch near you. So find one today. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. If you're a big fan of Robbie Falk, this is not going to be your favorite podcast because we've got two interviews today that he wasn't on that are going to take up a big part of it. So let's just go ahead and get right into the first one. Uh, well, that probably cuts out about five viewers. If my mom and dad are listening. I, I hope Big Daddy and Big Juju Daddy. are listening. I hope they're there. Those are, those are, yeah. I, I haven't seen Juju in about a month or, or a month and a two, and I'm waiting on some baked goods here. Yeah, you, you, get, you get me hooked on the baked goods. And then you go away. Well, what's up? What's up with that? She needs I mean, you had a whole you. pan of cinnamon rolls that you were not willing to share with anyone. You got one. I, it was a it was an act of Congress for me you to get. You could that just one. call her today and be like, "Could I get some cinnamon rolls?" And she would make. Them. No, I can't. Well, you can. You have, know, I have not. You can have Maddie call her. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, she has not fixed me a pan of cinnamon rolls. And I don't, I don't know. Remember, you're just, you're, just you're not, you're not being smart about this. You put Natty on the phone, and, and she's like, "Juju, you made me some cinnamon rolls." You have them the same day. That's true. So that is, that right. is absolutely true. Hey, before we start this interview, can I just mention the you uh, you like real, real quick, um, baseball related? They yeah. they released the SEC schedule right as we're recording this. The most brutal road schedule I've ever seen for Mississippi State baseball. I mean, the absolute worst schedule imaginable. It's brutal for Mississippi State. Out, outside of if they would have had to go on to bat, go to Baton Rouge, Texas A and M, Florida, who played in the national championship, Ole Miss, who's your rival, Vanderbilt, who is a team that competes for national championship most years, and Arkansas, a team that competes for kept the College World Series almost every year. There is not a single team on there that I can say today that Mississippi State is going to win that series. I feel I feel good about the Ole Miss series because they've won every one of them since 2016. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, this – Chris Simonis has the absolute deck stacked against him going into the season. I mean, it's I, – I, it's nuts. And then the home schedule is not great. You get LSU first week and then Georgia, Auburn, Bama, and Missouri. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, that's good in terms of you have winnable games at home. Sort of look yeah, at that that perspective. That, that's true. That's true. But of course, you start off, and, and, and you start off getting swept. 
because we all know that LSU is not giving up a, a game here in Starkville. That's just how it goes. Yeah, no in that series. So yeah, they, they've won. But they won like three series there, two or three series there they, since. They, uh, they've won three series there since the last time they beat LSU here. Correct. Correct. Maybe more than that. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, they, they beat them in o, o three. It's 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 something like that. Yeah, maybe it may be coming up on twenty. I need to. I have to look. It's it's football season, Robbie. I can't be expected to know baseball stuff right now. I know we shouldn't be talking about this. I'm sorry. All right, let's just right. move on. Let's go to our first interview. We talked. I got a new guy here on the podcast. Someone we haven't spoken to before. Koki Riley is his name. He covers the Tigers for the Daily Advertiser and USA Today Sports. He is a, a new guy on the beat down there, but I thought it was a very good interview. Let's go to that interview now, and then I want to get Robbie's opinion on something that Koki told me. Let's do that now. So joining me now, we got a new uh, voice here on the podcast, Koki Riley. He covers the Tigers for the Daily Advertiser and for USA Today Sports, the South Region. Koki, you know, a year ago, sort of the same situation for LSU. They were one and one coming into this game. At the time, we didn't know that Florida State was a really good team. At the time, we didn't know that LSU was going to go on to win the West. We know Florida State's a good team this year. So at one and one, what's the mood in Baton Rouge after two games? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, it's, I, I'd say there's, um, man, um, I, I, I honestly think that the mood is probably a little less pessimistic than it was a year ago. Um, I, I think part of that's just because again, like you mentioned last year, we didn't really know, um, how everything was going to work out with the Florida State loss, and we weren't, we didn't have a full year of Brian Kelly um, to 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 observe uh, when it comes to his time at LSU, and um, I, I think there are definitely concerns with this team. I think people are concerned about the first few drives of the Grambling State game this past week. I think people are concerned about. Um, uh, some of the run defense that they've shown this season, Harold Perkins' positioning, um, the secondary, a lot of these are defensive issues, as you as you notice. Um, Jaden Daniels, um, like there are, there are all these question marks, but with the Alabama loss, with the Texas A&M loss, with some of these other things that happened in week two, um, it's hard not to look at the schedule and look at this team and still say that, hey, you know, if, they can improve in a couple spots and um, just play a little bit better than obviously than they did against Florida State. This team could certainly still win the West. So um, I'm kind of of that mind at the moment as well. One of the things I talked about a lot this offseason with LSU is, is the lack of star power on offense. This is LSU. They have you know put wide receivers and running backs into the league for, for decades. And this is a team that outside of Malik Neighbors, they don't really have a lot of names that college, the casual college football fans are even going to be aware of, let alone diehard college football fans. You know, who stood out to you on this offense through the first two weeks? Um, there's a lot of guys that I think a lot of people around here were excited about. Aaron Anderson with great in the preseason, um, for example. Brian Thomas Jr. is a guy who was uh, a pretty freakish athlete and has shown his athleticism at times. Um, the people have been people have shown some excitement for a guy like Kamorian Pimpton, who's a freshman. Uh, he's what six, 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 seven with a crazy catch radius. 
Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of athletes. Um, but you're right that there's really no star guy outside of Malik Neighbors. And um, so far offensively, there really hasn't been anyone who has stepped up and been, uh, I guess, that, that top complimentary piece right next to Neighbors. I think a lot of that probably just has to do with the fact that uh, they played a really good Florida State team in week one. And, I mean, Kyron Lacey had a moment. Brian Thomas had some moments in that game. But it wasn't – I don't think anyone necessarily put their stamp on, you know, this is going to be a breakout guy for LSU in that one game. Then there was Grambling, so you can't really judge much off of that. So I think it's too early in the season to say um, whether these guys are actually, have actually stood, up, stood out and stood up for the season this season outside of Neighbors, um, for themselves this season outside of Neighbors. But, like, uh, I, I still think there's time, and they've – and there's enough athletes on this team and enough um, just pure talent to, to make that a reality very soon, because this is a really deep unit. Harold Perkins was kind of the story of that week one loss uh, against Florida state with, with, you know, playing inside and not being used as that elite pass rusher that we all know that, that he is. There was some talk from Brian Kelly that, okay, we're going to, you know, make, make some, 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 some adjustments there. Did you see those adjustments in the week two game against Grambling? What should what do you expect to see from Harold Perkins against Mississippi State this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. There were quite a few adjustments. Um, and really the adjustment was uh just not having him play in the box and as much as a as a weak side linebacker. Um I think he only played in the box in two snaps against Grambling, uh, compared to I want to say thirty-seven in week one against Florida State. So uh, that was a pretty radical change, and they just let him play more loose and let him play more on the outside. And um, originally, when they were going to do this and transition him to more of the inside, um, it wasn't that they were going to put him in a box and just have him as an inside linebacker. Like the way it was explained to us, at least, was that he was going to play all across the line of scrimmage and be playing it. He was just going to play inside more so they could add more diversity to his game. And now it would be harder for offenses to count where he was in the field. They couldn't just um, chip block and, and, and concentrate to the edges, you know, like they could put some up the middle um, and they could just utilize him in, in a bunch of different ways. And we just simply didn't see that against Florida state. Um, it wasn't just that he was playing in the inside. Granted, that was a problem. It was a lack of creativity that they deployed him with. And, um, uh, just that that was just a major problem and uh, asking him to you know to to have all take all on all these assignments as an inside linebacker after he didn't have to do any of that last year that's just a lot to ask for a guy even as a even a guy who is pretty intelligent in Harold like he just didn't play he didn't play a ton of high school football like it, it just didn't make uh, much sense to have him you know, being a role that a guy like Omar Spates should be in. Like, Omar yeah. Spates is a fifth-year player. So, um, that was – it just didn't work. And um, I, I think a lot of that just had to do with the fact that they just – again, they just put him in a box. There wasn't a lot of creativity, really. And they just had the ball in that Florida State game, play-calling-wise and coaching-wise. You go back a year ago in this game, and LSU was just really ultra-aggressive on defense, more even more so than LSU – Usually is. I mean, that's what I associate LSU with as aggressive defense, but they blitzed a ton against Will Rogers last year. A lot of it coming up the middle, getting right into Rogers' face. Different offense for Mississippi State this year. You're going to see some tight ends. You're going to see some two-back sets, and you're certainly going to see a much bigger focus on the running game. 
can LSU still be that aggressive defensively defensively against this new Mississippi State offense, or do they have to change the game plan a little bit? Um, they might need to change it a little bit. Uh you know, maybe they can run more run blitzes instead of uh, pass blitzes, obviously, because this Mississippi State team, they're going to run the ball a ton, right? Um, uh, I mean, what, they ran the ball 38 times last week against Arizona, and that's that's a pretty that's a pretty wild marker. And I, and I watched, and, and, and I went back and watched that game. Um, and, yeah, it's a radically different defense. They're going to run a lot of stretch, those stretch runs, outside, outside runs, and um, LSU's got to be ready for that. And they just didn't, they didn't do a very good job of that last week against Grambling, um, especially in the beginning of that game. And, that, and that's something that's certainly a weakness that uh, they're in need to shore up. And uh, if, but if LSU can figure that out, I mean, they have the athletes to get to Rogers even without blitzing, I think, too, especially with Mason Smith being available in this game with the way Makai Wingo's looked at the start of this season. Uh, Harold Perkins playing more on the edge. Like there's, they're, I, they can get to Rogers even without blitzing. And even if they do blitz, like Rogers just, didn't handle it very well last time they played them. And a lot of it was because of Matt House's creativity in that game as defensive coordinator and um, give him credit to that. And I just think, I mean, obviously no offense to Mississippi state, but I, LSU just has the better athletes. Yeah. And that's just a true statement. Day, exactly. It's just a true statement. And at the end of the day, like that's going to be a problem for Will Rogers, especially he's not a guy who can really create out of structure particularly well in terms of being a, a runner or, um, avoiding avoiding sacks and extending plays, like he doesn't really do that. So, like that's a problem, especially against a guy like Hell Perkins, who can run down an athlete like Lee Cornsby. So, um, again, Perkins wasn't really a big staple of defense even the last time they played Mississippi State. So, yeah. uh, it's just a ton of things that you know that are kind of advantage LSU in this game as long as they can take care of the running game to at least a respectable degree. And that is a concern. Um, but it's going to be hard for Mississippi State to win this game purely on the ground. Every week on the podcast, when we do our Friday uh, show, we, we we predict a guy we call the X Factor. Not necessarily the guy you would say is the offensive or defensive player of the game, just somebody you could see making a big play that might make a huge impact on this game. Who would be an X Factor for LSU on Saturday? Ooh, I think Omar Spates. Um, and I mean, there's a ton of answers I can give to this. I, Mackay Wingo is another one. Uh, Harold Perkins is another one. He all, he's always one. Right. Um, but yeah. I think Omar Spates is pretty important in this game, just in terms of run fitting and his responsibilities, um, in terms of organizing this defense. And they're going to, they're going to have to be organized when there's going to be pounded on the ground time and time again. And, uh, their depth is going to be tested in this game. And I think LSU, I think I've had to make a second X factor just, um, the way Mason Smith looks and how fresh he is and how much they have to use a guy like Jordan Jefferson or a guy like Jalen Lee to fill in a defensive tackle or Jacoby and Guillory. Like, I think this would have been more of a concern last year for LSU facing a team that runs the ball this much, um, as we saw in the Texas A&M game, because they just didn't have a lot of depth in that front seven, especially at defensive tackle. They really only played two guys, two and a half guys the entire season, which is crazy. Um, but it's what they had to do, and you saw that happen in the AM game. But um, uh, but I just mentioned all that because, like, th- because they have a lot more depth now, they're they could they're not going to get worn down as easily as the game goes along against this against this rushing attack. And I think that's um, definitely going to help them out. And, and and I think really the next step in terms of stopping that run is Omar Spates. And Spates has been 
kind of underwhelming to start his LSU career. Hasn't had a great start. I, he was okay in the Florida State game. I think he led the team in tackles. And then against Grambling, they, they, no one looked good. No one really looked good on defense against Grambling, to be honest with you, um, especially at the start of that game. Um, eventually, they dominated them. But, uh, but Grambling had – they should have had scoring drives in their first three drives in that game for anyone who – didn't watch, which I assume most of the people who listen to your show didn't watch that game. Did not. Uh, <laughs> uh, especially since it was right during the Mississippi yes. State game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Grambling had should have had scoring drives in their first three drives. They missed a 23-yard field goal in the third drive, um, but they scored a touchdown in the first drive. And they were all long drives, too. I think they were all 60-plus yard drives, if I'm remembering correctly. So, which is not what you want to see. And yeah. I mean, they were picking up third and long runs um, uh, on, on running downs, like third and 11, third and 12, like they'd run the ball and they just get it. Um, stuff like that. You just should never see against the, you know, I'm sure HBO, the Tiger stadium HBCU crowd running. couldn't have been more supportive in those opening minutes though. Right. Oh no, it was, it was rough. I mean, Denver, <laughs> I mean, Denver Harris just got simply beat on a, on a touchdown throw and, LSU has all these questions in the secondary, which, I mean, they can mask that a little bit better in this game, actually, because Mississippi State just isn't throwing the ball as much as they used to. Um, but but anyway, like, yeah, like there are concerns with this LSU defense, and especially against the run being being one of them. I and mean, we, we saw – everyone saw it against Florida State um, in that second half. So uh, they have to shore that up if they want to comfortably win this game or, you know – or or win at win at the level that they are expected to win a game like this at you know cover yeah. the nine and a half right so yeah what well, one more question here because you know you've obviously you talked about Mississippi State in their running game and, and it was very prevalent last week but I don't think that's the offense Mississippi State wants to run so if Mississippi State is more balanced does that help Mississippi State or does LSU want State to be passing the ball more um. That's a solid question because that's what I get paid I, I to do, they, man. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a solid question because I can because I can see the case for either way. Um, I mean, LSU is going to be prepared for the run, and I actually I think they're going to want them to pass the more. And I know that sounds like a, I know that's kind of a tricky answer because of the way the secondary has looked at the start of the season, this LSU secondary. But at the same time, I mean, that can open up Harold Perkins as a pass rusher more. Um, that means that they were able to shut down the the strength of this Mississippi State team, which is running the ball. Um, at, at least at the moment, it's running the ball it, so far this season. I mean, uh, they were pretty dominant on the ground against Arizona, and I'm kind of curious to see what Mississippi State looks like on the ground uh, this week against an actual SEC defensive line because Arizona had pretty small guys up, up front there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I – yeah, like I think that's gonna. I think LSU is gonna want to force them to pass and to pressure Will Rogers. They what they they want to pressure Will Rogers and force him to make um, make him uncomfortable. I think that's gonna be their game plan. And if that means you know that it means that they have to expose their secondary a little bit more, they're gonna let them. They're gonna let that happen. Uh, but that's still a really tricky question because. Again, like I don't think any LSU fan wants to see uh, the secondary have to defend too, too much, especially after what we saw in the Florida State game. 
what an interesting statement from the school known as DBU. Uh, that's 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 tough to it's tough to to get my head around this LSU team. Yeah. I still think they're very talented, but they they got to start figuring some things out, and we'll see if that happens this weekend in Starkville. Cokie Riley covers the Tigers for the Daily Advertiser and USA Today Sports. Thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. See you in Starkville this weekend. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. This is great. All right. Thanks to Cokie. Appreciate his time. Robbie, I, I talked to, to Koki in that interview. I talked to Jacob Hester on Thunder and Lightning Live on Wednesday night. And they both said the same thing. This is LSU, right? DBU. They, they are the school that has put more guys in the NFL from the defensive back position than almost anybody. But they are they're nervous about that secondary back there. And yet here we sit with Mississippi State and we're not sure what the passing game is even going to look like for them. Is State going to be able to take advantage of what appears to be on paper? an LSU secondary that we'll, we'll just be generous and say it's in transition? That's a good question that it remains to be seen. I mean, we that, that's what I've been saying this week is, you know, people making declarations on the offense. I just don't think that we can do that yet. I don't know what this offense is. What I do think that is, that's going to happen is they're going to watch film this week and they're going to see some vulnerabilities in the back end of the secondary, and they're going to try to exploit that. I think that's what they were doing with the running game against Arizona. They saw that they could run the football, and Barbet even mentioned it. They were picking up 14, 8, eight to 14, 15 yards every time they ran it. Early in the the problem was eventually when they stacked the box, that changed. In the second half, they're averaging like two yards a rush. Mm-hmm. So can you adapt within a game is my question. I think that they're going to come out and they're going to throw the football a lot more. I mean, for the people that are just that just don't believe that Mississippi State is ever going to throw the football, I challenge you to look at some of those games. Go go look at individual games under Kevin Barbe at Central Michigan and at Appalachian State. There were games where he was throwing it 40 to 50 times. So that it's it's not that this offense never throws the football it's just that, you know, the kind of the base of it is that they're going to establish the run, but they will throw the football around. I'm hoping this is one of those games. You have the ability in this ball game to do that, but you're going to have to mix it up. I, I don't think that there's any way they can come out here and throw it 50 times. Yeah. I don't think there's any way that you come out and run it 40. Mm-hmm. So can you throw it 25 to 30? I think that feels like kind of a sweet spot, doesn't yeah. it? Like I agree. No, I agree. Yeah. 25, 30 passes, yeah. maybe another, you know, 30 to 40 runs. I mean, that's that's a lot now of plays. 70 that's, plays, that's a lot. But, I mean, if, if, if you've got 25 passes and 30 runs, 35 runs, that's that's a that's a good balance there, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I mean, if we're going to get into the specifics, like 32, 28 or something like that would be yeah. just fine. But if they're, you know, if they're, if they're, if LSU's winning up front, Mississippi State's in trouble. Yeah. No, if, no if they can't establish the run or give Will Rogers time, then I, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a long afternoon. Yeah. No question. So I, you know, it, it might be a situation where you come out and you try to establish the run game early and mm-hmm. then start hitting some shots. Could be. Could be, or it could be the other way around, Robbie, and they, they might try to take some shots early to get them off their off their heels, and then go from there with the running game. I, I don't, I have no idea what to expect from Mississippi State offensively in this game, yeah. which may be a good thing because it means that there's the unpredictability of it uh, for LSU. 
Let's move on into our second interview. That's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. Guys, when you're firing up the grill, it's still football season. That's tailgating time. If you're out in the junction or wherever, you want to put beef on the grill. Steaks and burgers, great. But hey, if you got time, if you want to do something, yeah, this is a breakfast tailgate, man. So some 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 steak and eggs. That's that's get get the blackstone out there and start cooking that stuff up. That's going to be a good thing for you. So enjoy tailgating, enjoy grilling. We always still have this great weather. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked Southern soul food. This weekend, Two Brothers is going to be a great place for you to hang out. After the game, head over there, grab a table, watch some college football, eat some awesome food, have a cold beer, and enjoy yourself at Two Brothers. And if you're heading out for a late night of fun in the Cotton District, Two Brothers is the place to be. That's for more of the kids than us, Robbie. We're not we're we're not really in that 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 particular demographic any longer. We may occasionally we make an appearance in there, but fellow uh, kids. Hello, yeah, hello, fellow kids. So enjoy yourself this weekend with a trip to Two Brothers Smoke Meat. That's another Bulldog Initiative business. Great products and great service is what every business likes to promise you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems, and they have 48 years of experience to prove it. Nobody stays open that long when they're not taking care of their customers, so you know you can trust Advantage Business Systems for your business technology needs. Give them a call today and find out what the difference is between being a neighbor and being a number. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue, that's where you're going to find your next polo or pullover for Mississippi State sports. A great selection of polos and quarter zips, great name brands, and they have the logos that you want. If you're heading up from Jackson and, hey, you, you, you've you got a, a maroon, you've got a white shirt and you, you don't, you know, you're in the maroon section, you need to stop at the Rogue on your way on, on Friday, grab yourself a brand new polo and wear that to the game on Saturday. Don't live the three-stripe life shop at the rogue i'm right. glad you moved forward out of the uh what got, you've been saying the last we got three out days. of that thank you there we I, go. Call, I call myself i call myself all right second interview time i talked with t bob a bear former lsu tiger now the host of espn 104.5's off the bench he's the host of the snaps podcast with aaron murray and a, a guy who just does a he just does a lot of stuff they, they, they stay busy down there in baton rouge caught up with him for a, for an interview where i had some fun with his absolute favorite thing in the world the Lord of the Rings. So I brought a little Lord of the Rings to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. We'll go down to that interview. Joining me now, former LSU Tiger, ESPN 104.5, Snaps podcast. You guys are all so busy. You and Hester, like, do you have family lives? It's T-Bob Bear. What, uh, what do you do for free time, buddy? I I, I have um, my, my free time. I go like this. So I, I wake up about 4.30, and then I kind of do like, you know, this sort of stuff till about two. Uh-huh. And then I pick up the kids from school. And then eventually those little demons who I love so much go to bed about like 830. Mm-hmm. And then I fit my entire light adult life into that kind of uh, 830 to 10 window. Like I was just talking about Ahsoka. That that that's yeah. that's where that lives out. Which is crazy because I used to game for like twelve to fifteen hours in a row when like <laughs> at a different point in my life. So, all it's 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 all right though, man. I ain't complaining. I love this job, so it's all good. Yeah. You ever heard the joke about what a dad's vacation is? 
No, uh. It's he talks about I forget the comedian, but he's like, you know, you, you get everything loaded into the car and you close the back of the car and you put the kids in the car seats and you buckle them up. You make sure their their DVD players are on. You get your wife in the car. She's got her drink and her blankets. You close that door and then you walk around the car to your side of the the car. Yeah. That's your vacation. Hell yeah. That, dude. that 10 seconds of just nothing is your vacation as a dad. Well, it is funny some of the things that you start to look forward to. Like, I would say that in keeping with that, sitting in the carpool line yeah. is a bit of a mini vacay. Yeah, it is a solid 15 of doing nothing. I'm not driving. Yeah. No kids in the car. I'm waiting. Yeah. Kind of the calm before the storm. I've learned to really enjoy that little 15 there. Ah, man. See, my kids are old now, so I don't have these those little simple joys anymore. So, all no, right. I'm, a, I'm in the young. I'm at five, three, and nine months. So... I'm at 17 and 14. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. They're getting up there. So, all right. I have an interview for T-Bob. I told him before we started, this is a very special interview. It's almost like a gift to him. So I I hope he's excited for it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. This is always a tough game for Mississippi State, T-Bob. And it's just such a, it's a dangerous game, but it's a dangerous business, T-Bob, going out your door. How do you view this game from the LSU perspective? um okay i didn't know if now now i'm kind of tempted to answer in hobbit uh look i i would i i would say this well you know kind of in keeping with that quote well you you never quite know where the game's going to take you when you step out that door um i feel very bullish from the lsu perspective and it's a bit odd uh because it's not how i felt necessarily before i spent about an hour and a half last night watching the arizona mississippi state film mm-hmm. um and the reason being is lsu right now is a bit of a mixed bag where you have the 31 point run in the second half of the florida state game that is kind of the towering monolith overshadowing the rest of the season even if you watch the grambling game close early on especially you'll see a lot of bad defense Right. And bad defense that is going to depress a lot of LSU fans. But at the same time, what I do see is a team that still has, especially on the lines of scrimmage, a lot of raw natural talent. I see a team that against what I think is a championship contender Florida State team had a first half where they had the lead despite blowing two red zone opportunities. Um, And even against Grambling, while the defense was awful early on, it, you know, shut them down late and the offense was great and uh and and what i also see is an elite offensive line for lsu like i think their offensive line is actually really really good so when i turned on that mississippi state film and i've been hearing you know i kind of i hustled mississippi state out of the corner of my eye against southeastern and i didn't get to watch much arizona live but you know i've been hearing oh no they run the ball now and i'm thinking like okay you know it's going to be like um like how people are like you know but tennessee actually runs the ball or old miss actually runs the ball uh no mississippi state said f it they're like Oh, no, no, we're going to go like full, almost less miles in rushing attack. I mean, we are talking like 65% run pass ratios, counters, powers, not like, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually kind of shocking to me. And the reason being is because it is a style of offense that I have always felt is very talent dependent. Now, if you have elite talent, and you want to run this kind of pro style, shove it down their throat attack. Well, that's great because if you're better than the other team, you control the game. Like you throttle the game. You can control the game to like a finite detail, minimizes risk as well. Right. But if you 
aren't as talented as the other team, it's really hard to punch up with this style of offense. So something like the air raid, like that's how Mike Leach made. I mean, maybe you could say it had a glass ceiling, but it had the opposite effect where it also would allow you to catch teams off guards that maybe you shouldn't. You know, maybe you lose to teams that you shouldn't do, so it's like a double-edged sword either way, right? But when it comes to this matchup, I do feel like that's going to be a problem for Mississippi State. Yeah, I just, I mean, like I, I, I think about when State's on offense, and and granted, LSU had some really bad run fits early against Grambling, so maybe I get proven wrong here, right? And Kevin Barbe, I think, is a very good offensive coordinator, so maybe they have some wrinkles that that, that are going to be uh, some things we haven't seen before. Like I know they'll pop some plays. But on a full game basis, I find it hard to see that that Mississippi State offensive line is going to be able to consistently block Makai Wingo, Savian Jones, Mason Smith. Like I like this guy, Jordan Jefferson, they got now. So I don't know. I'm feeling pretty bullish on LSU right now. I would take them to 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 cover. And that's not how it felt last year entering this game. Yeah, you were I remember last year. You were you were nervous about this one coming coming in. Yeah, uh, you sort of hit on the Mississippi State in the running game. Woody Marks has really been the engine of this MSU offense so far this season. You're not the biggest running back in the world, but even the smallest person can change the course of the future. How does the <laughs> LSU defensive line now back now that Mason Smith is back? You mentioned Makai Wingo, you know, but you also mentioned that Grambling game and they had some issues in the running game there. Yeah. Early. How do you, how do you see that matchup? You, I guess you sort of spilled it out there, but what happens if State is able to catch LSU in those same fits that they were a week ago? Well, then I'm just wrong, right? And then State can move the ball, and they and then they control the game, and they give themselves a great chance of winning the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, Woody Marks is great. Don't like don't be wrong. I don't want to take anything away from Woody. My doubt more comes in that offensive line, mm-hmm. and 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 it's because I don't know, man. I wasn't terribly impressed with. Arizona's front seven. Mm-hmm. And to me, I would have liked this. Like, if I was going to sit here and be more concerned about that offensive line, I would have wanted to, to to see them dominate an Arizona front seven that just looked very small at times. Yeah. I mean, we're talking edge defenders that were like 217 mm-hmm. out there. Um, so I love Woody. Again, I think I think this is kind of like like LSU's linebackers have been really bad. But you look at Mike Norvell's offense and it's an insane offense. I mean, I mean, guys are pulling every direction, every single play. There's these jet sweep themes that are building on top. It's like like Mike Norvell's offense is like a composition. It's not just like LSU spread is is good and they're good enough where they'll have a lot of offensive success. But sometimes in that Florida State game, LSU spread just felt like a collection of notes or or you know sounds like 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 Norvell as a composition, right? Yeah. And so LSU's linebackers have kind of been in it. Even Grambling kind of put him in a little bit. A more traditional here, stretch, lead, counter, power. Like I would expect LSU's linebackers, this would be kind of a get right game. Um, but again, maybe I'm wrong. And, and if I'm wrong then, then all bets are off. But I just, I don't like, I just don't really, and I guess it's in keeping with the defensive minded head coach. I just don't know if I agree with Zach Garnett taking away. I mean, Will Rogers looks pedestrian. Mm-hmm. And I was a massive Will Rogers fan before this. And I watched this last game, and it just looks like you would never guess that this is a guy that is challenging all-time SEC passing records. Mm-hmm. With On paper, you know, it, it seems like LSU is a far more talented team. Not, a, not enough talent for Mississippi State to, like you just said, to out-talent them. But State will meet them in battle nonetheless. Do you have any worry? I mean, with LSU, I feel like sometimes they might overlook Mississippi State, but I feel like that one loss on the schedule already means that LSU 
not not in must win mode, but it definitely in high alert mode. Look, uh, a day will come when the courage of tigers fail, but it is not this day. All I right. should say the focus of tigers fail. Uh, but no, because like I, I, it's what you said. You've already lost the game. You didn't locate against Grambling. The local temperature is hot right now. The spotlight is burning hot. People are angry. Um, you're going into an SEC opponent stadium. Like, if you're not ready for this game, you're a poorly coached team. And if nothing else, I don't think Brian Kelly is going to feel like I, he does not feel the poorly coached teams, at least not in that regard. So, if I, I mean, my thing would be if you're overlooking Mississippi State, like, who, who are you? Like, who do you think you are to be overlooking a team? They finished nine and four, uh, third in the West last year. Was it third? Yeah, it was third, third. right? Yeah. yeah, third in the West. Like, what are we talking about? A team that was beating you soundly at the beginning of last year before you kind of managed to turn the tide. So, like, no, I don't think – I think if overlooking comes into it, then LSU has much, much, much deeper problems about the leadership on this team, the execution, the staff. So, no, I don't expect overconfidence to be an issue. Again, I just think it's like – what if I'm wrong? And even though LSU appears to be more talented, the run fits remain awful and they can't stop Mississippi State from running the ball. And what if I'm wrong? And despite thinking that the offense is really, really good, that Jaden Daniels has a moment similar to like last year against Arkansas where they couldn't move the ball at all. Uh, so it's, it's, I don't think there's too much metagame influences that should come, 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 uh, or, or be involved in this one. Like this team should be ready to go. They have no excuse. I think the biggest thing where it's where you say you could be wrong is Mississippi State does things differently offensively this week, and they run more of the offense that Kevin Barbe is kind of known for, and they throw the ball vertically down the field and test that LSU secondary a little bit. That's that's where it, where if State's going to win. That's where it is for me. So that that is a great point, Brian. I'm glad you said that because I agree it's creativity on both sides of the ball that where I think State could could win this thing because yeah LSU's looked really weak uh, in the secondary like even weaker than whatever bad run fits they had last week so if I'm just looking at LSU and I'm saying okay how do I attack them you would think that it wouldn't be let me just run into Makai Wingo all day like that's an all American interior defensive tackle. Arizona didn't have that. So the game plan made sense about Arizona. I actually wrote that in my notes last night. Like, I like I can't imagine Mississippi State's going to come out and do the same thing. Like, so they're going to have wrinkles. Maybe they take a lot more shots. That's what I would do. And then defensively, while the talent isn't the greatest, um, Arnett is very multiple. And they hit you with a lot of different looks and a lot of good schemes to uh to to take advantage. And that that has gotten LSU's offense into trouble in the past. And Jaden in trouble in the past is kind of deciphering that madness. So yeah, if state's gonna win, I do agree it would be with a a a a different offensive game plan, maybe than we've seen thus far that catches LSU by surprise and keeps them on their heels. And kind of the same thing defensively. Where 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 Arnett relying on all of his defensive prowess finds some angles that this LSU team can't really wrap its head around. Jaden Daniels last year was a big reason for LSU winning when he was able to get outside the pocket and and as far you know mo- being a mobile quarterback is one thing right but you know, you got to have that awareness of when to, to run and you know Daniels has the eyes of a hawk and the ears of a fox back there in the pocket. How impressive has he been for you throughout his LSU career? Um, he's, I, it's, it's interesting. I'm a big Jane Daniels fan, but imagine this, Brian, yeah. given that you're a, uh, you know, you know how it goes in this job. Yeah. Um, 
the fan base. It is now for two oh. years a daily debate yeah. over who should be the starting quarterback. Yeah. Right. Uh, Walker Howard left. He just couldn't take it anymore. Like, yeah, like, I mean, it's all dust, Daniels, dust, Daniels. And look, could Jaden Daniels be better? Absolutely. Is he limited in some ways? Absolutely. The fade pass he threw against Florida State was an abomination. If that's what he throws in practice, I would never throw a fade again. Um, like, but but I think LSU fans have maybe lost a bit lost a bit of perspective. And to me, uh, and 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 and, and look. When LSU lost Florida State, that was more about Florida State being good rather than LSU being bad, right? Other teams are not going to be able to affect you in the same way Florida State was. And so I think you've seen a Jaden Daniels through these last two games. It's actually way more consistent than what we saw last year, only now he'll be able to show it, right? Whereas week one, you were going against, I think, a top five team in the country, and so that's always going to be hard. You might look bad. Week two... You're going against a team that, you know, you should trounce. And so when you score on all 10 possessions, it doesn't mean anything. Right. It's great. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. So this is the first cha- t- chance for Jaden Daniels to be like, no, no, no. I am very good, um, especially against like, you know, the majority of college football because Mississippi State is a very good power five teams. So these are the games in which LSU fans are going to need to see Jaden Daniels be dominant. And I think he will be, man. I think like I was very bullish on him returning this year because he had a, another year in the system, a way more stable environment than anything he ever had at Arizona state, the same coaching staff, more time on task with the weapons. I've not thrown all that out the window just because these first two weeks of the season. So now's where I'm expecting to see some of that consistency come into play. I'm going to ask you a question about being a college football player uh, about and about Mississippi State and their offense last week. You know, people have been talking about Mississippi State's offensive performance last week as being intentionally vanilla, as if uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Barbe wanted to keep his game plan secret, keep it safe. It was almost like he told Will Rogers, you shall not pass. <laughs> Is that a real thing, T-Bob? Do, do, do college offensive coordinators and coaches say, we can beat this team doing so little, let's keep it off film for next week? It's definitely real, but not generally with teams that you're going to OT with. Yeah. You know, so that's where maybe it starts to fall apart a little bit because I had the same thought. Like, like they obviously saw something in the film, and what they saw was that Arizona State's freaking tiny in yeah. front seven. But they saw something in the film where, like, you know what? We're going to line up and we're just going to run it down their throats. And if that has, I, I think, I think this probably sounds more realistic now that we're talking about, Brian. It's a situation where it's like, we really like that as a game plan. And if that also has the dual benefit of keeping things vanilla, then that's fine because we think it's a good path to winning this game and we don't have to overextend ourselves in some way and show LSU things that we kind of want to keep in the back pocket. So I don't want to make too much of that. Because nobody's going to do that to the point where they're going to lose. But it's it's not unrealistic to think that that's kind of uh, how that could have gone. Where it's not necessarily the original intention, but you're like, yeah, but this works out. It kind of it kind of satisfies both the things we're looking to accomplish. Can you go into a game thinking that, and then realize at some point, hey, we're in trouble. We got to go back to what we normally. Do. Can you make that change in game? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you got a good enough playbook, right? Like, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that they could have had Will Rogers just go out there and be like, "Hey, like, run a two minute drill or something," right? So, so I, 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 I think you can, but also it's a weird thing where, um, again, the only times I ever entered with game plans like that were definitely against like teams that were 
very obviously lesser than. And even then, it was never really talked about out loud, right? Maybe the O-line coach kind of like is whispering it in the meeting room, like, you know, boys, like, we're kind of like, you know, we're trying to keep a little stuff under the hood. But it's not like the team meetings like this. Or, no, the team meeting is so, you know, we got to go out and win it. We got to give it our all, blah, 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 all that, all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of a... um it's just a weird thing to try to navigate. But if I was a Mississippi State fan, I think you're hitting the nail ahead. That would be my hope, is that was kind of why the gameplay is what it was, only 17 pass attempts, and that you look to take advantage of what appears to be a very weak LSU secondary. Well, I will look for Mississippi State to win, but I do not hold out for hope. It has forsaken these lands when it comes to LSU. What's your prediction? Uh, I, what I should have been doing is saying who says every line. As you said, you know who says that? Have you enjoyed this? Please tell me you did. I've, oh, bro, I've absolutely loved it, Brian. It, it made me so happy. That's Amer and Two Towers when they it roll is, up on is. him and they and they finally get to be, you know, yeah. uh, boys. Which, by the way, that scene in the books, absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's, it's like Council of Elrond-esque, uh, their conversation. No, this has been my favorite interview for this reason in years. Um, in fact, now oh. I forgot what the question was. The Prediction. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I think, I think LSU covers, and I yeah. don't think I'm just being a homer here. No, you're not. Um, unless, because also we didn't talk about this. LSU's offensive line is awesome. Yeah, like I think LSU's offensive line is really good, and they got this other five star freshman tackle who is going to rotate in. Lancer, fifty three. Yeah. yeah, wait until you see this guy. He looks like a literal giant. I've seen pictures of him. I'm like, he looks like he's forty five. First, it's, he it's, looks like he's my age. It boggles the mind. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think LSU covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if they don't. Then LSU fans have to, or, or, or if they lose or struggle, I think LSU fans have to make even further adjustments about what they think this season could be. Because losing to Florida State doesn't make me think that you're a bad team. It just makes me think, okay, maybe you're not championship caliber. But I still believe LSU to be in that 10 to 15th in the country range. And if you are that, I think you should cover this game. I agree. I think LSU will cover as well. T-Bob Bear, appreciate your time, man. Uh, and I know you, I, I'm glad I was able to make this an enjoyable experience for you. Hell yes, dude. Oh my God, it was so much fun, dude. Thank you. I actually just, uh, it's funny you did this because this morning mm-hmm. on my morning show, I made, um, I told my producer that he's going to be kicked off the show mm-hmm. if he hasn't seen the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy by October 15th. Well, if you're hiring, I can get that job because I've, I've seen it many times. So. Yeah, and I told him no, I'm not not even the extended editions because I want to see yeah. theatrical first. Yeah, and then he can get an appreciation of the extended editions afterwards. You don't you don't want me and Rivers tag teaming though. That, that would be that would be bad news for you and for Jacob there. So. Oh, that'd be so good, dude. All that'd right, buddy, take good. it easy. All right, Brian, take it easy, man. All right, thanks to T Bob, appreciate that. I will also have my interview with Jacob Hester up uh, on tomorrow's uh, podcast feed. In case you missed that on Thunder and Lightning Live, we'll have that available to you as well. So we got. Two former LSU Tigers there. I have an interview request in. I texted a guy. We may have one more Mississippi State former player to talk to. Don't know if that's going to happen for me yet. Before we get out of here, Robbie, since you aren't on Friday's podcast, as you know, that's the uh, the Augustinelli's and the family reunion. Give me your playmakers and your prediction for Mississippi State LSU. Oh, uh, my playmaker. I'm going to go with the, the playmaker that I'm giving is for Mississippi State to win the ball game. Okay. And so my offensive playmaker is Will Rogers because be. I, I feel like if you win this ball game, it's because you were able to throw the football and 
I get everybody is not very high on Will Rogers. Not everybody, but a lot of people are not very high on Will Rogers, and that's fine. And a lot of people don't believe that he will work in this offense, but he's got to. They've they've got they they've got you know one of the leading passers in SEC history. You can't just hand the ball off with him. And I know that he has his limitations. At the same time, this is a dude that's played more SEC football at quarterback than almost any quarterback in Mississippi State history. And he's been successful doing it. And I, he's got he's had to have played some part in Mississippi State's success. So I think in this game, he's got to, you have to have the ball in his hands. And he's got to be able to throw the football, take care of the football, and produce some explosive plays. They've got to get out of this – uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust that we saw against Arizona, and I think they will. And I, I predict that Will Rogers has a part in this ball game uh, throwing the football. So that's my offensive gap. Okay, defensive on on the defensive side of the ball. I think you know there's there's got to be um, there's got to be somebody doing something up front for Mississippi State. You got to get to um, Jaden Daniels. Uh, you got to keep them in the pocket too. So that we've talked about this as kind of a, a tricky situation. You don't want him to get outside of the pocket, but you don't want him to be, you know, sitting in the pocket all day um, with plenty of time to throw it. I think you got to force him to throw the football in this game. And I think, um, you know, guys like Buki Watson and Jet Johnson are going to be key in making him uncomfortable. I'm going to go with Buki Watson in this game as my playmaker. I think he's going to be a huge part of it. Um, he's a guy that's probably, you know, out, out of the two, he's definitely the most athletic. He's he's probably going to get the best pass rush out of Jet and Buki, um, and he can also disrupt the pass too. We've seen him intercept passes, knock them down. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with him as my defensive playmaker. All right. Who's your X factor? Oh, my X factor in this, let's go with um, hmm. That's a tough one. I'm gonna go with a defensive back. Yeah. I think that somebody is going to have to make a play in the defensive backfield in a big one. I'm gonna go with DeCarlos Nicholson. And that might be a little surprise to you, mm-hmm. but I thought late in the ball game against Arizona, he was a guy that looked like he belonged out there and a guy that looked like he could be a big part of things for Mississippi State's secondary moving forward. I think eventually this is going to be your one of your best defensive backs by the end of the year. Okay. And I think in this game, it could be his coming out party. They try to test – Mississippi State secondary, I think he could be a guy that makes some plays for you. All right. What's your prediction? Oh, that's uh I, I've been going I've been kind of going back and forth because I you know, the more I look into LSU, the more I realize that this game is very winnable for Mississippi State. I don't know if I'm ready to jump on it because I just I haven't seen enough from this offense to really be confident going in this game that they're going to have the play calling and the game plan that beats LSU. And the defense has had so many holes. But I do think State covers the spread, which I think was at nine and a half or nine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say LSU wins this thing uh, 34 to 
28. Okay. All right. But I, I, I do think the state covers. And if you said Mississippi State won this game, it would not shock me. I think it's a game that they can win. It's a three-outcome game, right? State blowing LSU out seems unlikely. But the other three outcomes are in play is how I'm looking. Yes. So, All right. That's it for Robbie this week. He will enjoy an extra day off. Tomorrow I will be with my cousins, the Augustinelli family, as we have our annual This Is Our Show reunion. Plus, Peter Burns from the SEC Network joins us in the People's segment. Until tomorrow, for Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.